so today on further down the road, uh, with we're with Jeff Seaman today, and um, anyway, um, Jeff and I have quite a history together. Um, I first met Jeff Seaman through Doug Kingsrider, All American tight end for the Minnesota Gophers, who led our FCA group. And Jeff spoke to us, and uh, then he and I got involved with uh, Search Ministries. Uh, back in the late 80s and early 90s, and it went on for quite a while. So, Jeff, we really appreciate the opportunity to be able to interview you. Well, my delight, yeah. Jeff. It's good to see you again, and mm -hmm. uh, look, certainly look forward to it. And Tim and I are doing this Further Down the River podcast together. Yeah. And, uh, Tim, tell us why you felt burdened to do this. That's a good question, Jeff. I think what I, I am so passionate about this concept of further down the river is two major points is really the North Star concept and the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, two things is the internet is providing a way where you're kind of becoming your own North Star. You can research, mm -hmm. you can divulge anything you want online. The, there's abundance of places to get information, but who do we trust and where do we get our mentorship, our leadership, our insight. And so further down the river, for me, is a, as a millennial, is learning from men and women that have experienced life, have swim life like a salmon upstream, and have mm -hmm. had triumphs and failures, but have just providing godly wisdom for a guy in his 30s. So that's kind of why I'm excited to start this podcast. Okay. And uh, you guys have a deep-rooted history. You guys have worked together for, what, 14, 15 years? Yeah. Um, or longer. We're, yeah, we're excited to sit down with Jeff. <laughs> yeah. uh, for those of you who don't know who Jeff Seaman is, uh, one of the top 50 Viking players of all time. And uh, what, four Pro Bowls, three Super Bowls? Yep. And we wish you could have brought one home to Minnesota oh, one of those years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people uh, don't know. Difficult. Yeah, Jeff actually <laughs> wrote a book. Yeah, Jeff wrote a book with Jim Klobuchar yeah. titled, Will the Vikings Ever Win the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the I heard it was a question But it hasn't happened yet. No, it hasn't. But, <laughs> but we're, hope, we're hopeful. Yeah, yeah. We're in yeah. dire need of a Super Bowl, aren't we? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, yeah. I think going back yeah. to Tim, your statement yeah. about North Star too, yeah. is that, you know, those of us who believe that there's a God, mm -hmm. do you think he would cause us to be on this world without a, without a navigation device, without a compass mm -hmm. that would point us in his direction? And, you know, there are people like Jeff Seaman that really believe that God has given us a North Star and that there is authority to help guide our lives. And so... You know, what we're really interested, Jeff, is kind of tracking with you kind of like a time frame, a timeline in your life, and how you came to a personal relationship with God and understanding that there really is a guide in this world that will help us direct our lives. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I think, Tim, your point is well taken, too. There are a few people who have the courage to go against the stream and swim upstream. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, in many ways, life is counterintuitive. Yeah, and that we're looking for people who really do have an interest in in being living a courageous life and going against the stream. Yeah. So you know, Jeff, we wanted to start with where did you grow up, and how did your growing up experience? Because I know it was in another state. Growing up, how was that different from growing up in Minnesota? Well, Jeff, I grew up in uh, Bakersfield, California, which is in the lower part of the San Joaquin Valley of California, mm -hmm. um, kind of a 
the two economies are agriculture and oil, and I think it's like the number two oil producing county in the nation and number one agriculture. So it's, uh, you know, needless to say, those, mm -hmm. those assets were close at hand and mm -hmm. a lot of business surrounding that. My dad was an ophthalmologist and eye doctor, and uh, I had uh, four brothers and sisters. Mom was a um, serious uh, drinker, alcoholic, and mm -hmm. in fact, mm -hmm. drunk herself to death at about age 62. Uh, my dad was an ophthalmologist, as I mentioned, and uh, a good man in many ways. He had a very um, committed mother who was a follower of Christ, but uh, didn't wasn't passed on to the children. Mm. At least they never grabbed hold of it. And, and so uh, my own faith experience, I think, was probably a bit of a mystery to him uh, in that he had never been down that road before. And so uh, it didn't cause any conflict between us, but uh, nevertheless, I know it was something he had not experienced. Yeah, my mother, as I said, was a serious alcoholic. Sadly, who passed away at about early 60s, 62, I think it was. Um, Didn't you say too in Bakersfield? Yeah. You you grew up uh, picking uh, fruit yeah, and vegetables. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah. summer, in the summer That's we would cool. uh, grapes. You know, a lot of it's a few. They, by the way, Kern County, where Bakersfield is located, produces two-thirds of the nation's fruits and vegetables. Mm. Wow. So, tremendous agricultural area. And during the summer, I was walking up and down the fields, you know, either picking grapes or watermelons or, you know, something else. Mm -hmm. uh, it was good work for a young kid. Well, when did uh, you know you had a gift at sports, football, or did um, you come early? Or? Yeah, you know, I think the playgrounds, okay. uh, you know, back in grammar school and so forth, you know, you can pretty much determine whether you're at the top or at the bottom, yeah. and I was kind of always at the top. My dad had actually played football. Uh, he was not a good football player, but he, he loved the game, and uh, he went to Bakersfield High School, where I went to high school. He oh. went to Stanford University, where I went oh. to Stanford. Did you play Stanford? Uh, he did. He was like third team. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Third team offensive. He wasn't very good at any rate, uh, but that meant something to yeah. me. Yeah. And so following in his footsteps, and I think my ultimate Pro career, I think, was very important to him too, and I think uh, probably a source of great uh, uh, satisfaction for him. So mm -hmm. that was that was fun to do for him, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, you know, when you went to Stanford, I know it was in the era when you guys had some really good teams. We did. Jim Plunkett, yes. Randy Vataha, yeah. I remember that name, yeah. and you won two Rose Bowls. Mm -hmm. And wow. I know that you sustained quite an injury during that time. And how did that influence the direction of your life? Well, that injury was my freshman year, second okay. game of the season. Uh -huh. um, in a four-game season, that's all we played as freshmen those years. And it was a terrible knee injury. In fact, Dr. Fred Bailing, uh, who had been the Stanford team doctor for decades, said it was one of the very worst injuries you'd ever seen. I tore mm. three, of, three and a half of four ligaments, main ligaments in your knee, mm. and both cartilage removed. He said when they opened it up, you could look right down through the... Um, you know, through the incision into the very center of the knee because everything else had been torn away. So it was a terrible injury. And I, and I didn't know it at the time, but it, it apparently was up, you know, up for grabs whether I'd be able to play again. So uh, uh, I recovered and uh, played, you know, as a sophomore on the Stanford team the next year. And, and uh, things continued on from there. And I never really hurt the knee again, surprisingly, mm. but uh, I sure hurt it that first time. Yeah. <laughs> So, and then, so what happened was, was that you're sitting with a, if I remember right, you're, you told me that you were in a, 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 a cast up to your hip. And, yeah. and then you're in your dorm room and someone knocks on the door. Yes, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, this was my freshman year, 
uh, a few weeks after I injured the leg, still had the cast on my leg. Mm -hmm. And that guy that knocked on the door was a fellow by the name of Gary Christensen, who worked for a campus Christian ministry. And he had come not to see me, but to see my roommate. Mm. And by the way, uh, I had a girlfriend that I had grown up with in Bakersfield. Uh, she meant very much to me. And she was a follower of Christ and had attempted to share with me a few times. Uh, but this guy uh, was talking to my roommate, who was far from a Christian, and uh, they were talking back and forth, and I heard some of the same words I'd, I had heard from my girlfriend, <laughs> you know, who had attempted to share her faith with me. Yeah. And, uh, and so I cornered him before he could leave the room, and I said, Gary, for a year and a half now I've heard about Jesus Christ in a different way I've, that I've ever understood. And by the way, I'd been a churchgoer and uh, never really meant much to me, but uh, that was the family tradition, and so I went to a fairly liberal church in Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Gary, uh, the Campus Crusade for Christ staff guy, uh, set up a few meetings, and mm -hmm. so I began to meet with him, and I was hearing from my girlfriend, too, and oh. eventually one thing led, in fact, it, actually, Jeff, as I think about it, was that very morning, where he shared, uh, you know, the four spiritual laws with me, mm -hmm. and uh, I bowed, bowed my head, and I said, Lord, if you are who you are, I ask you to come into my life, and make me the kind of man that you intended for me to be, and and something happened, you know, it wasn't a huge mountaintop experience, but I sensed that, uh, that something took, <laughs> mm -hmm. and indeed it did, and I got involved with a ministry on campus and uh, began to read the Bible for the first time in my life, and uh, this was all new to me, but it was an exciting uh, new journey for me, and it's one that I've been on ever since. Mm. So, you, you know, you ended up going from Stanford, being drafted in the first round by the Vikings, uh, and three Super Bowls, four All Pro, All Pros, um, and eleven years. And so, what would you say were your motivators for such longevity and yeah. process like that? Well, um, you know, there there are some uh, worldly motivators. You know, one of them was the money. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a great deal of money at that time, but it was a, it was a lot for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think you said your first contract was like twenty thousand. That twenty five. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was good. the tenth round yeah. draft pick in the country. First round, tenth pick. Yeah, yeah. And my first four years were twenty five, twenty seven, five, thirty two, and thirty five. Uh, did they <laughs> have a combine back then, or did they? Um, have a, they made. Yeah, they did. They did, did they? a combine. Yeah. $50,000 bonus, which was nice. Oh, yeah, but, I bet. Uh, at any rate, so it was, it was a chicken feed compared to what it would have been today. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You'd probably put a couple, three zeros behind <laughs> that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but uh, how much do you think your, your faith and your football interrelated together? Well, I, I would like to think that my faith and everything I did and every whoever I was, you know, yeah. were, were connected from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. It meant a great deal to me, and, and I wanted to honor Christ, you know, with uh, whatever I did. My dad was a doctor. If I'd gone into medicine, I would want to honor Christ through that vehicle. Mm -hmm. Right now it was football. I knew it would be a short career. Um, 11 mm -hmm. years is, all, you know, fairly long, but uh, nevertheless short in terms of life, you know, mm -hmm. compared to life itself. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, I, I did really want to glorify the Lord through whatever mm -hmm. I was able to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, it would have been nice to have won a Super Bowl, but right. uh, yeah. <laughs> we were there a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any few vivid memories playing football that just kind of jump out at you versus other times? Well, uh, I had a severe knee, knee injury my freshman year at Stanford. Okay. And uh, in fact, to that day, it was the worst knee injury orthopedic surgeon okay. had seen in all of his career. Yeah. Dr. Don La Lannon, who was a longtime, very well-respected mm -hmm. surgeon. Um, you know, that was a big 
<laughs> incident in my mm -hmm. life, needless to say, and that's that which the Lord really used to bring me to himself. Mm -hmm. um, How about with the Vikings? Anything yeah. stand out? Yeah. Um, well, th three losing Super Bowls. Those were <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know how much that st stood yeah. out for me. Oh, they were a good experience. You know, a lot of uh, great people I was yeah. able to meet yeah. over that period of time. And, um, you know, a lot of guys coming and going. That, that always happens in most yeah. professional mm -hmm. teams. But there was a lot of longevity did, on that yeah. team. Too. Yeah, there sure was. You know, you, how did you guys, was it losing, how did you guys lose the, all those those Super Bowls? Like, <laughs> That's a question I often get. They were, yeah, yeah, were stymied. Because you, no you guys were a favorite in, in a lot of them, right? No, not, never a favorite. You were never you know, the favorite? Uh, we, we lost to Miami. Okay. And, and this that was, was their perfect season? Was their perfect, oh, um, oh. No, no, but it was, uh, you know, I think they lost one game that season, okay. if I'm not mistaken. We lost to Pittsburgh, and that was Terry Bradshaw and Frank O'Hara. Oh, wow. Oh, that great yeah. Jack Lambert, okay. that great defense. Uh, we lost to Oakland, you know, and that was uh, Kenny, Stabler. Kenny Stabler yeah. and all. So we were the underdogs in all those Super Bowls. Oh, right. and you might have said, well, we probably... Should, or would have or should have lost. Yeah. Uh, maybe you know, if we had, if we had won one, it yeah. would have changed everything. Changed. Everything. Yeah, we wouldn't won. But we we didn't. Unfortunately. Were you part of that Hail Mary pass against the oh, Cowboys? Yeah. I sure was. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, called the immaculate reception. <laughs> That's right. Okay. That's yeah. right. And then here's the question: I heard there was another immaculate reception in that game. So which one was that? It, it was it was uh, the uh, the whiskey bottle. Oh. You oh yes. <laughs> reception. You called that a reception. <laughs> Oh, a, a, a drunk fan threw a whiskey bottle from the stands and actually hit the official right between the eyes and knocked him out. I knocked him out. <laughs> he recovered, though. Could you say that's what he deserved for making a call like that? Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Oh, okay. Uh, At least yeah. oh, no. in public. We're just kidding. Yeah. That's good. Well, I know, too, Jeff, when you went on, you got a master's degree in apologetics yeah. from Simon Greenleaf School of Law. And... And could you kind of tell us a little bit about why you decided to go in that direction mm -hmm. and how that directed your life from yeah. that point? Well, Jeff, I'd grown up in a fairly secular home. Uh, my dad was a good man. My mother was kind of a sad alcoholic, frankly, and who mm -hmm. uh, died at age 63, drunk herself to death, basically. It was kind of a turbulent home, a lot of dysfunction and so forth. Mm -hmm. and so when I came to Stanford, uh, in 1968 was my first year uh, and by the way I had been dated a girlfriend or dated may not I had a girlfriend for mm -hmm. starting I think in eighth grade uh, Linda and we were still boyfriend and girlfriend and um, so one day outside of her house uh, after a date my freshman year in college she had shared the good news of Christ with me mm -hmm. um, I didn't it was new to me, and now our family had gone to church, and but it just never really took for me. Um, but I pondered, you know, what she had to say, and it wasn't long before that that I was back at Stanford in my dorm room, and a guy from a Christian ministry came by my dorm room, and he came to talk to my roommate. And they he had set up a time uh, an appointment, and as I heard him talking um, to. Uh, you know, my roommate, I heard some of the very words my girlfriend had shared with me, and uh, I cornered before I could leave the room. I said, Gary, for a year and a half now, I've heard about Jesus Christ in a different way, frankly, than I've ever understood before. How does one come into this personal relationship with him? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like an open door, you can imagine, for Gary as he shared his faith with me and left me with a little four spiritual law booklet, which I thumbed through after he left, and it came to this last page. 
And the question was, uh, does this make sense? And if so, would you like to begin this relationship mm -hmm. with Christ yourself? Mm -hmm. If you do, uh, you can pray this prayer. And I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it, I, I sensed something. It happened. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I woke up the next morning and uh, it was as though life had changed. And it, and it certainly had. And got involved in a Bible study on campus and uh, began to pray and read the Bible and uh, mm -hmm. got involved in uh, a couple other little groups and it was clear to me that, uh, that, that something significantly, fundamentally had changed in my life and this was the way I wanted to okay. go. Okay. So we, you know, I know you got a degree, a master's degree in apologetics from Simon Grayling School of Law. How did you apply that degree? Well, the reason I, I had always had an interest uh, as a follower of Christ in how I could more effectively share my faith, mm -hmm. particularly with those mm -hmm. that were well-educated people and had, you know, some deeper questions. And questions, that, frankly, I'd had as a, as a non-Christian. So uh, that is really what motivated me. And it was a wonderful tool for me as I went back and began to have a ministry to uh, professional adults, people involved in the mm -hmm. professions that uh, were asking questions and so forth. And it was a, just a perfect tool you know, mm -hmm. in, in many ways. And so... Um, you and, know, you, I, and you did ministry like that with search ministry. How many years was it? Uh, I was uh, probably like thirty. That guy. Oh know. gosh, I can't remember now, Jeff. Nineteen eighty-four. Eighty-four is when I began, and I and finished like in two thousand seventeen. So whatever that is. Uh, it's a long time. Long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eighty-four, yeah. sixteen. It's, is that sound like thirty? Uh, thirty-three years. years? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. It does. Wow. Yeah. So here's a question: If you could do anything over in your life. Would you change anything? Well, I shouldn't. Shouldn't. I certainly wouldn't change the end result. You know, the. Um, in other words, mm -hmm. coming to faith in Christ and, mm -hmm. and and being able to share that good news with others. I think that was so important and central in my life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I wouldn't change that for sure. I might, in the profession. You know, probably like a lot of young males in our culture, we're looking to, you know, play a professional sport. I was able to do that too. So yeah. that's uh, kind of gravy, but. Uh, and God has used that, I think, as well, in opening doors Sure, uh, sure. in a lot of areas. And I've been able to share my faith in ways that I never could have before. Yeah. So, All right. How know. about, you know, I know one of the things that Tim is interested in, well, we all are, key insights that you received that maybe that you feel helped guide guided your life. What key insights? Well, number one, um, mm -hmm. I think one big insight would be uh, the... the um, tenuousness, if you will, of fame and fortune, you know, uh, how, yeah. how meaningless they really all are compared to eternal issues and eternal matters. And you know, We've all seen people that have lived life for the limelight and mm -hmm. uh, really desire to, uh, you know, to be able to uh, you know, impress others through either physical abilities or whether it be through their uh, income, uh, through their jobs. And yet... Um, you know, we, you and I live long enough to know how superficial that actually is, and how mm -hmm. what a fragile foundation that is for life itself. Um, so, anyway, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've been involved. I think in in you know really important matters. You know, ultimately the most important matters in the world, mm -hmm. which uh, influences um, to begin with how a person sees himself or herself. Uh, if I'm loved by the God of the universe and in a relationship with Him, uh, what greater accomplishment in life can I achieve than that and then once that's settled um, mm -hmm. you know all bets are off and, and not, not not that life is without problems but at least uh, the, the bigger issues have been dealt with yeah. and I've got a certainty about life after death which is a big fear for a lot of people it should be 
Sure. Uh, right. And uh, know that that's settled. Mm -hmm. And I'm settled in this life. I've got value. I've got purpose. I've got meaning. I have relationship with others who share yeah. this faith. I mean, what a what a glorious mm -hmm. blessing it is and has been. Mm -hmm. Is there any? Uh, what's the major thing with the, your apologetics degree that most people have questions on? Well, I think for me, it's just the, the historical foundation okay. of Christianity. You know, was this man Jesus a real person? Well, we can demonstrate that mm -hmm. he was, and um, you know that he spoke, that he, um, uh, you know, he shared uh, what he called the, the good news, yep. and that one could have a relationship with God through through a relationship with Him through mm -hmm. through, uh, through through Jesus Himself. And so uh, that, I think, has been uh, an eye-opener for a lot of people, as it was for me. When I understood that Christianity had a, had a historical foundation, mm -hmm. um, it was really a game-changer for me. If this man Jesus really did enter the world, it did exist and live, and we can prove that, yeah. um, then, boy, that's a heavy call in my life. How do I dismiss that? On what basis do I dismiss yeah. that other than my own you know, uh, ego or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Um, so that was so compelling to me that, uh, that it was all true, it was historical, and therefore it was incumbent upon me to, to follow, you know, yeah. that which I couldn't dismiss and deny. So anyway. So his life, his life is like a light in a yeah. world of darkness. It's, it certainly yeah. differentiates itself from Muhammad yeah. and how yeah. that faith started. Yeah, and, you know, you can look at everybody else, all the other founders, are in the grave, right? That's right. And yep, yep. Christ, the proclamation is that he's alive. Yes, and that, that's the key uh, linchpin of Christianity is that he defied yeah, death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he rose, the resurrection is everything. He rose from the dead, he lives today. And that we can have a relationship with him uh, even in, in our modern world because he's alive. He's not a, not a dead saint, but he's a, an alive uh, Son of God and God in human flesh, actually. So, and, and that He actually added it that, yeah. that He's coming back again too. Amen. Yeah, coming yeah. back in in uh, physically yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, and the idea, I think a lot of people have an idea that the eternal state is, you know, angels strumming harps and <laughs> singing hymns all the whole yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. That's and really, it, it, the the Bible says it's that we have a Savior, that Jesus Christ, who has flesh and blood who's going to be with us eating around a table and we're going to have flesh and blood and we're going to be mm -hmm. on earth as opposed to yep. floating around yeah, in a cloud yeah. somewhere. Yeah, there are bodies. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. We will, a new body, but it's nevertheless a body. Yeah. I'm looking forward to a new body. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All these football injuries. Do you think know. we could have a race? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you can always beat me anyway. Yeah, so. no, I don't know about that. But so, Tim, do you have any, I know you have a couple other questions you might want to ask. Uh... I guess switching gears, but maybe do like a quick like rapid fire. Yeah. Ask you a bunch of questions, mm -hmm. like a minute or so on the answers. Okay. Uh, let's just start on some just quickly football questions. I think might be kind of neat to just learn a little bit sure. about your background right. and your yep. story. Uh, first question is, what do you think Mel Kuyper Jr. would have said about you coming out of that, <laughs> out of college? <laughs> You know, I don't know much about it. <laughs> uh, the guy on ESPN, the, yeah. oh, the, the draft, draft analysis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, um, with the hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I was a first round draft. Yeah. So talked about a lot. Yeah. So I was number ten picked in the nation. So mm -hmm. I guess he would have. Uh, I didn't expect that, but that—that's, you know, and I wasn't told that. But mm -hmm. when the draft came, that's what happened, and so, uh, I guess he would have said that, um, you know, this is a guy with some potential, yeah. but. Uh, 
might have a long career if he doesn't get hurt. And he, he comes out of Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. He's Stanford. probably smart enough to be a middle linebacker. <laughs> yeah. All the plays. Yeah. Yeah. Speed. Yeah. Uh, how do you, have you seen the internet change with raising families? Uh, you had to raise your kids. Sure, sure. I have young kids. I have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think... What advice would you give? I think it's, uh, it's the greatest of blessings and the greatest of evils. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would have to say maybe... The, the, the evil side has no doubt impacted a lot of children mm -hmm. and, and adults, frankly, along the way. Um, is it an overall benefit? In some ways, yes, but I'd say overall, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. I think in some ways, the you know, was, was the world better in the days before the internet in some ways? I, I don't know if it was better, but at least the, that, that, that temptation was not there for people. So I, I think... Um, you know, I, I think the jury's out whether yeah. the net benefit of the internet is, if there really is a benefit, or if it's more harm than good. I, I don't know. For sure. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, down the river, um, what any just generalization that you see in sports today versus when you played? How is it different? Well, so I, I, we all know a lot of the differences, mm -hmm. like with attention, the media. Sure. Yeah, which, uh, which, money, uh, the money, money, the yeah, money yeah. goes into it, but the speed of the athletes, the height of yeah. the athletes, they're all bigger. Yeah, sure, sure. bigger, faster, stronger. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think it's created a. Even though I you know played sports yeah. and was involved in earning a living through sports, it, it's created a phenomenon in America that I think mm -hmm. is probably increasing a larger and larger percentage of the uh, <laughs> the the average day of the average American. Yeah. Sports on left, right, and everywhere in between, um, and I think a lot of young kids and older men, frankly too, and perhaps women to some extent, are fixated, you know, by sports. And mm -hmm. It's become uh, a larger part of their lives that uh, than no one no one intended, mm -hmm. but it, but it's there now, and, and so uh, the center of their life. Yeah, the yeah. center in many many cases, the center. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a source of back in my day, it was uh, value. And, yeah. you know, that's the question I had as a person. Do I have value? Well, if I can gain it through sports, then yep. what, a, what a benefit. I'm not sure that's a great benefit. Yeah. Or the best way to achieve value yeah, in life. Sure. Uh, although... And it's tenuous that way, too. It is tenuous because it comes and it goes. Mm -hmm. Everyone has to retire at some point, and I think the question is, mm -hmm. who am I now? Yeah. You know? So identity. Yeah, identity is huge, Jeff. You're, you're absolutely right. So I'd rather have an identity that's that's fixed, you know, that it's no longer based on my ability, but it rather is based on, you know, God's love for me, mm -hmm. which is uh, unconditional. Uh, the, the only condition is that I uh, uh, humble myself and receive yeah. that, the love that He's offered me and mm -hmm. apply it to my life. And, and uh, there's no greater blessing and joy and sense of identity than that. And yeah. If the world had more of that, we'd have much less of. So much of the other issues and problems we're seeing sure. in human life. Yeah. So uh, that's you know that's really what I've ded dedicated my life to, as Jeff has. Yeah. I'm sure we all have here. Yep. Um, you know, I, I was going to add too yeah. that part of this going down the mm -hmm. river idea is to help those in the marketplace yeah. understand that they're called to integrate their faith in the workplace, and that they they are really called to to seek the presence of God yeah. and then to the privilege of being able to represent God in those those sectors of yeah. the marketplace yeah. too. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, it it creates a lot of fear and anxiety, <laughs> Jeff, yeah. as, as you know, among mm-hmm. those marketplace Christians that desire to, to be an influence for him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and unfortunately, very few step forward. Um, we need more and more to, to do so. That's our encouragement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it absolutely is. And, uh, and there's probably no greater sense of fulfillment and uh, joy when um, a man or woman is used by God to help oh, yeah. another come to eternal faith mm-hmm. in Christ. And mm-hmm. what, a, what a great joy and blessing that is. And, and so, you know, I know, Jeff, one thing that you and I live for is to help men and women uh, experience this joy themselves, to become, you know, an articulate follower of Christ who can share this good news in a, in a winsome way that uh, by, by the work of God's Holy Spirit that is effective in seeing people come to faith in Christ. And what, what a joy that is. Yeah, I remember hearing, uh, along with that, uh, Blaise Pascal mm-hmm. saying that there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart yeah. of every person, and only Christ can fill Amen. it. And so, Jeff, I wanted to thank you, you know, yeah. for sure. willingness to interview you, and sure. for yeah. what, you know, the, the legacy of your life is, it brings glory to God. So, mm-hmm. you know, we praise God, and I'm, I'm grateful to you and to God for being able to be a partner with you for a lot of years and know you for so long. I'm grateful, Jeffrey, yeah. for you too. We, two, you. two Jeffs. You know, yeah. <laughs>